What's going on, everyone? We got a pitch count podcast here. My name's Pete. I'm here with Chris. You can follow us at, at @pitchcountp, and you can follow my private account at pitcherlistpete. Chris, what's going on, man? Not too much, dude. I'm just staring at an Excel sheet that I made up uh, this morning, and I'm really excited to talk about some opening starting pitching windows and some teams that might be in search of that fifth starter and how they might be relevant to fantasy this season. That's right. And, and, and that's what today is all about. And, you know, my wife was asking me like, Oh, you're going to do a podcast. What's it going to be about? And I was like, well, it's funny you ask because we are going to talk about teams whose fifth starting pitcher situation is a little murky. And you could imagine the look she gave me as somebody who really doesn't follow baseball. Um, so it is kind of um, a quirky deeper league pod today. Um, but I think some of the guys that we're going to talk about, Chris, could certainly impact even some shallow leagues out there, even some 10 to 12 team leagues. Every name that I have, if they're at their peak, I believe that they could be effective in a 12 team or even a 10 team league. So um, I think that these are names that you should keep an eye out for no matter what your league size is. Sweet, sweet. So, folks, Chris and I each chose four teams. Uh, so, uh, you know, eight teams at least have a little bit of a murky situation with their fifth starter spot. Um, and Chris, why don't you go ahead and, and dive into your first one? All right. So uh, I'm tempted. Yeah, I'm going to do it. So the first team that I that I picked in Pete and I did a, a draft of which teams we wanted to talk about. I had the first overall pick and I shocked the nation by going with the Detroit Tigers as the team that I wanted to talk about uh, <laughs> first. Um, so this is this is a little bit of a crazy situation right now. I have four names as the potential fifth starter for the Detroit Tigers next season. Um Three of the names are in the minors, and so we should not expect to see them before Super 2s. I don't think either or any of them have a shot before Super 2s. Um, and the fourth name is Daniel Norris, and the only thing I'm going to keep saying about Daniel Norris is the word bad. Daniel Norris is just bad. This is the stake that I'll live and die on. Daniel Norris has no business being a starter in MLB, and definitely not on your fantasy team. So, like, Daniel Norris is an option, but he is just not one that I would – put on a roster so like that's as much as i want to that's as much as i want to talk about daniel norris um the three names that i want to bring up are all guys that um were in double a last year first one's casey mize first overall pick i think a lot of people have heard that name before if you haven't he is like i said the first number one overall pick uh for the detroit tigers um he posted some good numbers and about 80 innings worth of work down at double a last season um, he's supposed to be a workhorse. He's supposed to be an ace, a future ace. Um, yes. So that's him. The other guy that I'm talking about is Matt Manning. Um, he's another, um, top prospect with the Detroit Tigers, um, had a little bit more of a season last year at double a, he had 133 innings pitch and he posted better numbers than Mize, uh, better K per nine, better X FIP, um, less home runs allowed more ground balls. Um, so he's kind of flying under the radar right now. Um, in my opinion, just because of the fact that, you know, pitchers are kind of hard to predict in, in terms of their pro like when they're prospects, I think. And so it's hard for me to definitely say like, you know, Manning's going to be better than Mize, but there's always a possibility. So 
I think that Manning is a name that, you know, he's a little bit down on the prospect pedigree in terms of uh, him versus Mize, but I think that he's showing right now that he has the stuff to po- to possibly become an ace for the Tigers as well. And then a third potential ace waiting in the wings is um, this kid named Tariq Skubal. Uh, I just kind of learned about him the other day. Shelly V, I'm going to call her Shelly V on Twitter because I'm sorry, I'm just not going to butcher her last name um, on this podcast for it to be recorded for the rest of history. But she works with Dynasty Guru. She works with Rotographs, Fangraphs. Um, she's a big name in the industry. She loves this guy. Um, last year at AA, he pitched 40 innings, had a ridiculous K per nine of 17.43. Um, walks more batters than Manning and Mize, but you know, with that kind of stuff, striking out 17, ba- 17 and a half batters per nine, you're going to expect to see more walks too. But the crazy number that sticks out to me is that he has less i mean these are all smaller sample size but he had a smaller home run per nine than mize or manning and i was just like well if that you know his era was 2.13 last season at double a his xfip was 1.27 backs it up a little bit like i said only 40 innings of work but still the detroit tigers are stacked that this is my overall point they are stacked with pitching talent in the minors and if i i do believe that one of these three guys at least will get the opportunity this year with how bad Daniel Norris is. The question is going to be which one and when. I like it. Um, you know, definitely three top tier prospects, um, you know, Mize. So while some of those guys may look like they have better numbers than Mize, you know, he kind of hit a wall last year. I think he sort of reached his max. It was on, oh, where was I looking? Um yeah, it seems like it's it really started for him on July 21st. To that point, he had dominated. He had really just one rough start um, before that on May 15th, where it looks like he gave up four earned runs. But other than that, he had to give up zero, which was in most cases one or at most two earned runs up until July 21st, where it looks like he just ran out of gas because after a terrible outing against uh, the Giants minor league team there in double-A, uh, he had a terrible outing a little bit later against the Mets minor league squad and then Toronto on August 11th, where he had six earned runs against Toronto, six against the Mets, and then five against the Giants. And that's their minor league teams, by the way, um, obviously. So my so, super excited about it. Just like, I don't know how much I would read into his final season numbers because I think what we saw at the beginning was really the elite talent. And then I think he just ran out of gas. So, yes, I, I wanted to first kind of talk about these three guys a little bit and now sort of break into my projection for next season for my prediction. Basically, I, I don't believe that the guy is going to be Casey Mize next season. Unfortunately, I really, really want to see him um, last year. He had some, issues with his back. He had some injuries. That's why he kind of had some up and down moments. Otherwise, like injuries aside, this kid is going to be a stud. It's just, I think that between the injuries last season and the fact that he's number one um, overall pick uh, and he just reached double a last season. I mean, all these guys just reached double a, but you know, just all of this stuff kind of like leads me to believe they're not playing for anything either. They might wait for him to, make his debut until the 2021 season or maybe just a cup of coffee depending on how he's pitching in um, the minors next season late into the year the guy that I believe has the best chance is Tariq Skubal I believe he's the most exciting name so it would be the 
most incentive for the Dodgers. Like statistically, he's the most exciting name. You know, Casey Mize obviously has like the pedigree to be the most exciting name, obviously. But like, you know, this kid's posting ridiculous stats in the minors. He's a lefty, which I think is very important because whoever Daniel Norris is going to be replaced by, you know, Daniel Norris is a lefty. So they might like the fact that Scooball is the only lefty out of the group um, to kind of take that slot over from Norris. And I just think that he's somebody that they could get the fans excited about. Um, I see, I see him taking the, the possibly the jump to the majors next year um, out of the three of them. Manning, I really like as well, but between Mize and Manning, I think that they're just going to wait a little bit until they're ready to compete for those two. Scooball, I think might have the best chance depending on how he's uh, producing next season. So Manning is someone I, I would be shocked to see him this year. Um, I, 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 th- I think I tend to think we have a better chance of seeing Mize than you might think. Um, I, I, I would opt in on seeing him potentially this year. If not, it's literally just because it's the Tigers. But um, as a late call up in the season for a start here or two to round out his innings cap, I could definitely see it. Scooball definitely seems ready um when we talk about he's talking about a guy who's reaching 97 miles an hour with four different pitches apparently he's developing a changeup. um he already his three pitches are above average where when we're talking about matt manning it's a little bit more raw um the changeup for manning isn't quite mlb ready and i really i don't see the point for a major league team to call who's going nowhere this year to call up a prospect to potentially start that clock if they don't have at least three pitches. It's almost setting them up to fail. I mean, the Red Sox didn't have it. And I'm going to bring this name up again, but the Red Sox didn't really have a choice with Darwin's and Hernandez. So you sometimes see it here and there where a guy gets called up and all he can really throw is two pitches, but I'd let, I'd let Manning develop that third pitch a little bit more. Whereas I think <laughs> Mize and Scooball definitely have the arsenal uh, to get called up and, and potentially make an impact. It's just going to matter of, again, do the Tigers feel the need to do that when they can just let these guys grow in the minors um, and then, you know, start that service clock a year later. So are we just going to bring up Lord Darwin's in every episode now? Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm going to try to tie him in. <laughs> okay. Okay. Everything. That's what I'm going to do today. So I will well, tie I, in Darwin's into every team that we cover. What I will say is that maybe to prove your point more, like these guys are starters where he was a reliever. Maybe it's, a, you know, I think that relievers people forgive for only having, two or three pitches more so than a starter. So um, I like it. I like what you said about school. Um, I think that, that, that him and Casey have the best chance, but I think that Scooball, if I had to take like a guess on, he would be my choice. He'd be my dark horse. And the point being like all of this, the point being all three of these guys, in my opinion, should be owned in 12 team, maybe even 10 team leagues if they do get the call and it'll be, it'll be after super two. It won't be right away. So keep an eye out in late May. Um, if they do get the call, like I said, I think they need to be rostered in 12 team leagues or more for sure. And then debatably 10 team leagues. Oh, if, if, if any of these three got the word, I mean, maybe in a 12 team league, I, I mean, I'd probably still add Manning if I had the space, but if, if Mize or Scooball got called up, um, I would, I would scoop them up immediately. Um, and just to be clear on Darwinson, since we're talking about him again, he did come up as a starting pitcher. Uh, Cause you remember the Red Sox situation was a, was a disaster. Um, and then they, they just put him in the bullpen because he was also a disaster, but gotcha. um, I liked, I love it. Awesome. Deep stuff there on the Tigers. Um, the first team I'm going to, I'm going to go with are the Rays, um, an organization we're typically pretty excited about with pitchers, but I think for 2020, the fourth and fifth spots might be 
they could be rough. They could be pretty solid. Um, so really, I mean, we got our big three, right? We, Tyler Glass now, assuming he's healthy, Charlie Morton uh, and Blake Snell there at the top, which is as elite of a one, two, three as you'll find, right? Um, after that, it gets a little bit hairy. Um, we've got Brendan McKay, top prospect, who was atrocious last year. Um, Yanni Chirinos, who I like, and I'll talk more about in a second. Trevor Richards and his signature changeup uh, in Ryan Yarbrough, who went on that ridiculous stretch in the second half last year where he was like, I don't know, was he the fourth best starting pitcher or something like that in August or whatever it was? Um, so those are really the four names we're talking about here. And the question is, what are the Rays going to do? Because would it really surprise anybody if, if these four guys are all coming out of the pen? No. Um, w- could they potentially go with an opener? Definitely. I think based on how he finished the season, I think Ryan Yarbrough is, is going to find his way into that rotation, most likely in the fourth spot. I think that's where roster resource actually has him. Um, I'm looking for that right now. Yeah. So roster resource actually has Yarbrough as the fifth starter and Chirinos as the fourth, um, fourth, fifth. I mean, it's almost semantics when we're talking about these names, those are the names I'd like to see. Um, I would like to see Chirinos in the rotation um, with Yarbrough, but I would almost want to see Yarbrough and Trevor Richards kind of alternating as openers. I mean, you, you remember what your Dodgers kind of did there with um, Ross Stripling and, and Julio Urias at the end of the year last year. I'd kind of like to see that with, with Richards and Yarbrough. I'm not ready to give up on Trevor Richards, which I know is uh, like kind of a weird thing to say, um, but that – change up last year was just awesome i mean it's awesome every year it's pitch value was was out of control um and he's someone who has shown stretches where he can kind of get it together and be a pretty quality major league starter if the rays can't figure him out um maybe it's time to send him to houston and then if houston can't figure him out uh then then he's a lost cause but i'm not quite ready to give up on him i like that he's in the rays organization now um trying to figure things out. Hopefully he adds more to that arsenal because that changeup again is awesome. And that could kind of work that, that Richard's opening and Yarbrough coming in or Yarbrough opening and Richard's coming in because there one's a righty Richard's the other's a lefty in Yarbrough. And even though Yarbrough was actually better against righties last year for his career, he's better against lefties. And it sounds kind of harsh to make Yarbrough, um, split duties with Richards when Richards has been kind of terrible. He was a throw in in that trade last year um, between the, the, the Rays and the Marlins um, and Yarbrough. Meanwhile, is coming off his best season. Uh, but I, I don't think it's that simple. I think Yarbrough had a ton of good luck last year. Um, he did have a FIP of 3.55, but the XFIP jumps up to 4.24. Um, you know, the home run to fly ball rate was kind of normal. I mean, I guess, I guess it wasn't too much bad luck or, or, or too much luck actually when I'm looking at these numbers, but I, I'm just, I'm not sold on Yarbrough as this super quality pitcher, um, especially for fantasy. I mean, as a fantasy player, you should maybe want to see Richards. I think he's got more upside for fantasy purposes. Yarbrough really not a strikeout pitcher at all. Um, you know, he does kind of keep the ball in the ballpark, but I don't know how sustainable that is outside of Tampa Bay. Um, so to be clear now I've got, Chirinos fourth. I, I like Chirinos. I think he's solid. And then I'd like a Trevor Richards, um, Ryan Yarbrough kind of swap there. Um, every now and then one starts, the other comes in and the other one starts, the other one comes in type deal. Like Julio Urias and Ross Stripling last year, Brendan McKay is somebody who's just going to have to figure out in the minors. I don't think his arsenal is, is deep enough 
Um, you know, all of his pitches were pretty negative pitches last year. Uh, he looked good. What was, I think it was his, maybe his very first game. Um, he looked okay. And in his defense, you know, the strikeouts were definitely there. Um, you know, he, it wasn't like his strand rate was super high. You know, you could get his ground ball up ground ball rate up a little bit, but I think his home run to fly ball rate was a little inflated. His BABIP was definitely inflated at 331 and his FIP was 403, whereas his ERA is 5.14. So it, maybe it wasn't as much of a disaster as it looked like on the surface, but he was pretty bad. So I think he, he needs more time to be groomed in the minors. Um, Chirino's kind of earned that fourth spot and let's get that Richards Yarbrough swap going on uh, in the five spot. Yeah. Um, I like, I like Richards. Um, Here's kind of a funny stat. So I've looked up on Fangraphs the top um, changeups for uh, in terms of their pitch values. So Trevor Richards is among a group of four players with Jacob Degrom and Steven Strasburg in terms of like top changeups. They're all around like the 11, 12, 13 range, uh, 14 range. But then there's one other name that's mixed in. Do you want to take a wild guess at which name? Is it a random name or an elite name? No, it's a name that you've already brought up. <laughs> It would be absolutely amazing if it was Darwin's and Hernandez, but I'm going no. to guess <laughs> Yarbrough. Yes, it is Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah, so he has just as good of a changeup in terms of their p valves as Richards. I'm just going to throw that out there. And um, Richards has a pretty good fastball um, in terms of p valve, but uh, Yarbrough's cutter is way higher ranked than uh, Richards's uh, fastball. Good. I mean, I, and again, I, I, I didn't mean to, to take too much away there from from Yarbrough. Um, Yarbrough definitely has a deeper arsenal than Richards. I, mm-hmm. I just question how sustainable it is. He, he is not, I mean, a swinging strike rate actually was probably pretty, pretty similar to Richards. I just think there's room for growth with Richards. Whereas last year, I think that's as good as it's going to get with Ryan Yarbrough. Um, so as a fantasy owner, I, I kind of want to see the upside of Richards rather than invest in either of these guys. If this is just who they are. Yeah, I think that we should just be worried and hesitant on on um, investing in either of them because I think that Yarbrough is kind of more of a ground ball pitchers, whereas um, uh, whereas uh, Richards is more of a strikeout pitcher, and who knows what the raised mindset's going to be. So, I, in my opinion, I'm just kind of shying away from both of them. Uh, one guy that you have not brought up yet, who is coming back from a very very long injury battle, is uh, Brent Honeywell Jr. You have any expectations, hopes, dreams for Brent Honeywell Jr. this season, or you think we're going to have to wait? I think we could certainly see him. Um, I mean, the Rays are a team that's going to be in contention, and if this fourth and fifth spot do become disasters because Chirinos and Yarbrough overperformed last year, Richards isn't good, and McKay continues to be terrible, um, then I wouldn't really see a reason not to call him up. Um, but, I mean, he has been – missing forever I, I like i if he gets called up it's going to be super late and I, it would most likely actually be as sort of like a reliever i mean remember what they did with david price all the way back when david price was a rookie he wasn't starting games he was coming out of the bullpen throwing flames honeywell's just been out so long that i mean i i don't know i think they'd rather just let him marinate in the minors um and keep giving mckay chances anytime he sort of shows a, a strong stretch they have options um, and their first three are so good and they're a team that's open to openers and stuff like that. So it, it's going to be, I think a stretch to expect to really see Honeywell uh, in, in 2019, but we'll see. Yeah. I think that um, for me, just from what you've said, if Richard's, you know, if it's announced that Richard's going to get a crack at the rotation, I'd add him, but the rest of them, I'm kind of a little bit hesitant on. 
Yeah. I mean, again, this is, this is why I said at the beginning, I mean, we're, we're kind of talking really deep here. Right. Um, and just Definitely. trying to figure out these situations, like in a 16 team league, like you and I play in that counts quality starts. If Ryan Yarbrough just outright gets that job um, and, and, I have the space. Maybe I will just for the quality starts, maybe just pitch him at home. Um, I know Yanni Chirinos was actually great for me last year because he was a spark. I don't know if he's going to keep that relief pitcher eligibility, but in, in your weekly leagues to have that flexibility could be pretty nice. And Chirinos was definitely somebody who pitched much, much better at home. Um, so when you are talking about the Rays, you're talking about a significant advantage for their pitchers in their home starts. And that's something to keep in mind for these borderline guys who you might look at and say, eh, well, if it's against the Orioles and it's at home, that's the type of player that could that could win you a week. Um, so that's, that's really the context of what I'm talking about here. Am I, am I saying you should reach for these guys or anything like that? Absolutely not. I think, if anything, the moral of the story is this is a murky situation, um, but there are some names that do have some limited upside. Um, and obviously with McKay, there's a lot of upside, but he's, he's got to get it together. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up the ballpark situation because we hadn't yet um, established that. So these guys at home, um, they are in play when they are going up against not-so-hot teams or even when they're going up with good teams that might have some injuries or something like that. Yeah, you just um, start them at home. Yeah, I mean, no one will see those games in person because no one goes. Um, <laughs> but you'll, you'll be following it, and you'll probably enjoy the results for your team. Hopefully they just announce who the pitchers are on the internet. At least no, they haven't given up that that much. <laughs> well uh <laughs> um onward we go so who is your uh who is your number two team chris the cheetahs the houston cheaters all right yeah. so you got the cheaters and i i'm tempted to go on some rant about this situation but i'm not i mean do you want to explore this at all no i'm just gonna call them the cheaters all right. All right. Fair enough. So Chris, the Dodgers fan, uh, the, the team that traded for Manny Ramirez uh, and enjoyed his success is going to tell you all about the Houston cheaters right now. Yes. The Houston cheaters. Um, <laughs> can we, all right. So the only thing that I will say is it's my personal opinion that, you know, most people have cheated. If you're at the professional level, let's just hope that it's not too much. I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's, and I would, to an extent, agree that it's the technology that crossed the line. And that's fine. And it, it's really – and Houston's response has been definitely really weird. Um, but I just – it's the self-righteousness in the um, – uh, you could guess I could just leave it at that. It's at some of what I'm seeing on Twitter that makes me really – quite like, do you really think your team's not doing something like this? You know, like I, – I, but again, I, I digress – not going to throw wild accusations like some of these burner accounts out there. I'd just be interested uh, to see what would be the result if MLB did do a full-on blitz on stealing signs. But here I yeah. go. I'm going to stop. Let's reel it in and tell me about Join us. Story. Join us next week, though. We're going to have Beltran's niece and Brocious's son on the on next week's show. <laughs> so that should be a good time. True. Yeah. Great. All right, so for the Astros, their fifth starter right now is listed as Brad Peacock, which I think is going to be the person that gets the go at the beginning of the year. But there are a few guys. I mean, the Astros pitching situation is a little murky in general. Like, I don't know if you've taken a look at roster resource. I see Zach Granke's name. I see Justin Verlander's name. I see Lance McCullers' names, and I'm like, all right, so he said that he's going to be ready for the season, but that dude just came back from Tommy John. That's a little worrying. And then you go down and you see Urquidy's name, and you're like, 
okay, Urquidy had, uh, what, 41 innings pitch last year. That's another kind of murky situation. And then you got Brad Peacock's name, and you're like, okay, that dude, like, he starts sometimes, but he doesn't start all the time. Like, this is a kind of, like, a little bit of a mess. There are many avenues open, I think, in this Houston uh, rotation that I think any one of the four guys that I'm going to bring up, Peacock and Urquidy are two of their names, and then I got two more for you. I think any one of them is going to have a shot to crack this rotation this season. So Peacock's the first name. Uh, yeah, go can ahead. I guess the other two names? Yeah. Uh, Colin McHugh and Framber Valdez. <laughs> I hope that's a joke. I, I, I have no idea who the other two names are. Really? You don't know who the other two names are? Well, I assume one of them must be I Forrest mean, Whitley then. Yes, Forrest Whitley is definitely one. And then the, the second one, Javier? Yeah, Christian Javier. Who That's who I'm okay, hoping. So, so young guys did. then. Yeah, I, got a couple you, I, I can't stand. I can't stand Valdez. Um, yeah, I don't. But, I don't even. Uh, want to, yeah. The thing is, like, yeah. if if Valdez or McHugh get the job, they have relevance because they're on the Astros, and we still think that the Astros are a good team, despite the fact that they have cheated. They, we still think that they're a good team. They're still going to win a lot of games, and you know, Houston is known as a good pitching coaching team. I don't know why maybe not anymore like i don't know if it's the coaches or maybe the fact that the cheetahs but you don't know i don't know but they're they do some good stuff with their pitchers so like they're gonna have relevance whoever slots into these these roles are gonna have some relevance you want to keep your eye on them the exciting names for me are brad peacock urquidy whitley and christian javier uh peacock threw the most innings last year most of them as a reliever uh he had a 412 era 442 xFIP, 464, or I'm sorry, 442 FIP, 464 xFIP. Uh, he had a 9.43 K per nine, which is pretty low considering the past few years. He got about three balls or three walks per nine, about a home run and a half per nine. He had the lowest swinging strike percent of his career, the highest contact percent, just not a very good year for Brad Peacock in general. Now, that being said, Brad Peacock is somebody who, if you don't remember uh, two years ago, was literally winning people leagues. He was just on like unreal dominant. Like, do you like that season? He was getting like 12, 13 strikeouts a start. He was going seven innings into games. He was just unbelievable, unbelievable results from 2017. I believe it was. Yeah. 2017. Brad Peacock, uh, a three ERA. He struck out 11 batters per nine, uh, 13 wins, uh, two losses, 132 innings pitched. If he can get back to that Brad Peacock, obviously I'm massively invested. But you see last year he had – he backed up his poorer performance. So I, I don't know. He's probably, for me, going to fall in between his former self and then this not-so-great self last year. Uh, maybe if he has more of a defining role, he'll feel a little bit more comfortable. I don't know. But, you know, I think you can take your shots on Brad Peacock on draft day and, you know, you're not going to draft him too high to make yourself upset about it. Um, so that's Brad Peacock for me. Urquidy's a little bit more of an interesting name for me. Uh, last year came up, had some ups, had some downs, but um, the num- the underlying stats really, really support him. His 12% string- swinging strike rate um, falls right behind uh Walker Bueller and Trevor Bauer. Um, he had a 3.95 ERA, uh, a 3.68 FIP, but a 4.3 X FIP. Uh, about a strikeout per inning, 
only a walk and a half per per nine, which is really, really good. Only 1.32 uh, home runs per nine as well. Ground ball rate, uh, you know, mid to high 30%. Not so, not so awesome um, for that park. But Urquidy's a guy that I could get behind. I, I kind of want to see a full season out of him. Um, and then you've got the young guys. You've got Force Whitley, who is still arguably the number one pitching prospect in the minors, who has just who just dominated the Arizona Fall League. Uh, let I let me remind you of um, after like a not so great minors performance and then some some injuries in his in his path. He just he threw 25 innings over uh, at the AZL. He had a 2.88 ERA. Um, he struck out batters at 12 and a half. Um, case per nine he was just unbelievable everything that you wanted to see from him and then you got this guy christian javier who threw 74 uh innings of double a last season and just posted video game numbers a 2.07 era backed up by a fip of 2.91 and a not so bad fip of or x fip of 3.29 his k per nine was 13.86 he walked almost five batters per nine but whatever you know he's striking out dudes left and right and the number that jumped out at me is the fact that this dude was only letting up um almost are uh, 0.6 home runs per nine like he's walking a ton of guys but he's not letting the ball leave the yard so that's pretty good stuff um yeah i love what whitley or javier's upside could be that's for sure oh i'm i'm all in on whitley um i don't know if you remember our draft last year but i i took him with the hopes that he was going to come out of camp with a job and then he was just atrocious in the minors and, and ended up losing a lot of time to believe the injury. Um, but that's not here nor there. It's a new season. And as you said, he's dominating in the Arizona, or he dominated in the Arizona fall league. Um, was that the same they, draft? Was that the same draft that I drafted Chris Paddock in or no? Uh, yeah, that was last year. Oh, okay, cool. Just wondering how that worked out. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Hey, I took Forrest Whitley way, way later, way, way later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paddock was Paddock was a great pick. It was a great pick. But wait a second, in the playoffs. Oh my god! Oh, here we go. Why did oh, I even okay. open Never the door? You you <laughs> must remember because I was thinking and I couldn't. I don't really remember seasons. I don't win a championship in, but I know. Uh, I know for some people uh, they're, they're meaningful. But uh, kill me anyway. Yes, uh, <laughs> the the Astros develop pitching. They have they have promising young arms in in Javier and Whitley. Um, you know, do they take those jobs? I don't know. I said in the last podcast that I really like Brad Peacock, and I do. I think he's a nice bylaw candidate. But there were a lot of alarming signs last year um, that may suggest uh, he's he's hitting sort of the the downward portion of his career. Uh, that's a weird way to put it. He's just starting to suck. Um, you know, granted, he's he's thirty one. Uh, he's going to be thirty two really soon. Um, and I think maybe jumping back and forth between starting and, and relieving has, has hurt him. Um, but his ERA over four and his FIP and XFIP were even worse. Um, he lost a little bit of touch on his, a little bit of speed on his fastball. Ground ball rate was uh, not inspiring, kind of uh, definitely below his career average, if I had to guess. Actually, no, it was kind of right in line with his career average. But bottom line, um, I, steamers projections i guess i would kind of kind of go with there um well they're actually really harsh in era with a 4.64 but otherwise you know 105 innings um they're expecting the k9 to go up a little bit kind of things that i would expect from him uh except i'm hoping a better era than that point being though he's not really that inspiring he's a guy with a lot of relief experience so if the astros feel like you know what we want our key in the rotation and it's time for whitley or it's time for javier then then he's going to get the boot unfortunately um 
But yeah, yeah, good, good dive there in the Astros. You know, and now that I'm looking at it, we did we didn't mention the fact that Brad Peacock um, had some shoulder injuries last year. Maybe that was kind of inhibiting his performance, but um, yeah, I, I like him as a buyback candidate. Um, I, I equally like Urquidy. I think that if you get either of them, either of them um, at their draft positions, their ADPs right now, you should be pretty happy, pretty excited for what's going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Peacock's injury is actually kind of why I, I am interested in a bylaw just because I, I, until that injury, I thought he was pitching pretty well because I remember talking with one of the owners in our league um, and I was trying to debate on whether I wanted Eduardo Rodriguez or Brad Peacock in a particular trade. And I ended up going with Rodriguez, but with how well Rodriguez's stats were looking anyway, not necessarily how well he looked on the mound. Um, there's no way I would have even considered Peacock unless he was pitching pretty well. Um, but I'm not, I'm not looking at the numbers right now anyway. Um, but yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. So who's next on your list? Um, so I guess I'll go with the Cardinals um, just because it's that now they're unlike some of the teams that we've talked about, or really all of them that we've talked about where the end of the rotation is kind of a disaster. They're a little bit different. They've, they've got names like, like solid, it looks like solid five starters. And then Carlos Martinez, a uh, guy who I believe, I, I don't know if he's actually been an all-star or not, but I'm going to call him a former all-star, former fantasy all-star anyway, um, says he's, he's ready to start pitching again, which is all sorts of interesting news all over the place, right? Because, you know, Jordan Hicks had Tommy John in late June last year, so I don't think he's going to pitch at all this year. So does that mean Giovanni Gallegos becomes the closer, which means like, whoa, that's kind of an awesome closer that's on the board. And does that mean that the Cardinals now go to a six-man rotation, which would severely impact Jack Flaherty? Because although we would laugh at that, solution i mean are they really going to take adam wainwright out of the rotation he looked pretty good in the playoffs um dakota hudson had a fine season miles michaelis although disappointing i don't think they're ready to take him out of the rotation considering how good of a debut season he had um and you know he's at the very least an innings eater they're not going to do anything with jack flaherty obviously and they just signed kwang hyun kim which sure he could be a disappointment but out of those six names he's the only lefty um, so I think he actually kind of serves a purpose there. And I, I wanted to dive into some of his numbers um, in the KBO and they're fine. Uh, I do have my concerns about him. So maybe he is the one that gets the ax, but if he is, that means we got a rotation with five right-handed starting pitchers in there. And a lot of them, well, maybe not a lot of them, but some of them have questions. Martinez and his shoulder and, and his, his walk rate and stuff like that stuff that never really got figured out. Um, but if Kwong, Kwong and Kim, if Kim keeps the job, well, this is a guy who had a, a career whip in the KBO of 1.33. That is not good. Um, is that something that's going to carry over into the major leagues and get worse because it's the major leagues? I don't know. So I don't know how much stock I would put in him. I get the signing for sure because the market was a little bit limited with all those names going off the board so quickly, um, particularly for left-handed pitching. But I don't know. This is kind of just an interesting situation, and I'm super interested in Carlos Martinez. Um, if it's official that he's going to be in the rotation, which you kind of have to expect that he's going to be because you, if you want to maximize your asset and Carlos Martinez, it's as a starter, if he can handle the workload. And the last time we saw him as a starter, which wasn't too long ago, it feels like it was a long time ago, but it was 2017. He threw over 200 innings, you know, over a strikeout per nine, the walk rate was a little bad, but everything else was, was good. You know, his ground ball rate was exceptional. Um, and he certainly look, had his moments as a closer last year. Definitely wasn't a great closer, but had his moments. Um, so it's it's very interesting. Like at the end of the year, would it 
would it surprise me if, if Carlos Martinez is the second best pitcher in the rotation after Jack Flaherty? That would not surprise me at all. But it also wouldn't surprise me if he's not even in the rotation by the end of the year. So quite a bit um, of a big question mark there in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, and then you got a couple of talented guys in the minors still between Alex Reyes and his dumb butt of punching walls and Daniel Ponce de Leon, which like fantasy owners around the world last year were just waiting for him to be unleashed. Um, yeah, kind of a murky situation and abundance of riches over there in St. Louis. Um, the guys that I would own, let's do that. What guys in our 16 team leagues in our 16 team league, sorry. What guys do you think need to be owned on well, draft day? Flaherty for sure. I would say Michaelis and Martinez even are sure sure bets in the 16 team league. Um, what about any of the rest of them though? So Wainwright, absolutely not. Um, Kim is, I, I, I didn't take Michaelis when he first got here and I'm probably not going to take Kim. I mean, I think Kim's going to be a lot cheaper than Michaelis was, but no interest in, in, in dealing with someone adjusting to major league pitching. I mean, how did it work out for people last year that took you said Kikuchi coming over to the major leagues in the middle of his career? So no, thank you. Um, it worked out for the people that took Michaelis and that's great. But I, how did it work out last year when you took him? Um, I think Dakota Hudson is, is going to be somebody that's drafted. Yet. I wouldn't expect to see him on free agency, but am I going to actively go out and take him in a 16 team league? Probably not. I mean, you bring up Alex Reyes and I didn't even want to go down that, that wormhole, but if sure, sure, if, if, if he looks great and he's healthy, then of course I'm going to fall back into the trap just like I did last year, by the way, in many leagues and take Alex Reyes. Um, but Ponce de Leon already 28 years old. I've never really liked Austin Gomber. So I, Reyes is the one in the minors, but I mean, it's one thing after another, at some point, it's just, it's, it's too much. And I, I don't think he's going to stay healthy. Um, so we'll see. Uh, he plans to be ready for day one of, of Cardinal spring training. And if he is, you know, he could make things really interesting. And let's also not ignore though. The Cardinals need some offensive help. Um, it's looking like the Rangers, believe it or not, are the front runners for Ozuna or for Castellanos. And if the Cardinals end up with neither, maybe there's a move to be made to bring in another bat. Um, so there's all sorts of things that could shake out for this rotation. Um, but if Reyes is healthy and pitching well and somehow is in the rotation, then yes, I will fall into the trap. And I would draft him in our 16-team league. Well, I think that the Cardinals are the front runners right now for Arenado um, still with their package that they sent over that I think included O'Neal um, that guy that they just got from the Rays, Libertor, who is projected to be a pretty good pitcher um, and then I forget a couple other names maybe um, as well I think that were included in that package so if that, if you know if he gets brought over um, and there's some little bit of clairvoyance in the rotation then I would be a little bit more interested in the guys that they deem like their starters. You know what I mean? I.e. if it is Kim or if it is um, Hudson to just know that they're going to be the fifth starter in a five starter rotation. Like if, if they do send a, a pitcher over um, in a deal for Arenado, then I would be, I would be a little bit more, I'd look at them with a little bit more of a keen eye just because I want the volume. Yes. Same. And believe it or not, it was actually Hudson and Martinez that were in that supposed offer, which was would obviously be a haul for Colorado, which is why I think if it was a real offer, it already would have been accepted. Colorado's uh, desperate for starting pitching. So if they can get 
the young arms of Dakota Hudson, Carlos Martinez, granted not that young anymore, Carlos Martinez and Libertor with a bat like Tyler O'Neill, who might hit 200 with 75 home runs in Colorado, then I think they already would have done it. So I'm not really holding my breath on the Arenado situation. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that they're going to be in on Chris Bryant, but, but I agree with the mindset, right? Like if, if something does dislodge, this this overflow of starting pitching, which isn't a bad problem to have, and maybe that's their approach. Like you know, Wainwright's thirty eight. Uh, we don't know what we have in Kim. Uh, you know, there could be injuries, so let's let's just keep what we have. Then then maybe that's the approach. Uh, but if something does dislodge this issue, I'd be interested in the starters, just like you. Yeah, for sure. So what's up next for you, Chris? What I have next, Oakland Athletics, um, which you and I kind of were tossing up between our third second and third round picks in our draft of teams we wanted to talk about um yeah the athletics have a bunch of names um right now on their roster resource depth chart i'm going to see they have fires manaya montez luzardo and bassett listed as their five starters which seems like it would be pretty set but i'm not ready to just say they're gonna jump at jesus luzardo i don't know if that's been already predetermined i don't know if something's came out yet i hope i'm not like putting my foot in my mouth where they've already said luzardo is the surefire no questions asked gonna be that fifth starter but unless that has happened i'm not like a thousand percent convinced that he's already a lock for that rotation um do you have anything that proves me wrong with that uh i mean i would be absolutely floored if he's not in the rotation um you know he did he reached the majors last year for like 13 and eight uh, 12 innings last year and uh, although it was just 12 innings 16 strikeouts a uh, uh, 0.67 whip um i uh, i would be absolutely floored if lozardo's not in the rotation but you know kind of what you're getting to here they, they, they actually do have a lot of names um in between puck and lozardo it's almost like there's room for just one assuming chris bassett is uh as decent as he was last year, which not even he believed, by the way, I don't know if you remember that quote where he was like, I'm not really, I'm not really doing anything different, but some reason I'm pitching well. So here we go. <laughs> like yeah. as a fantasy owner, I was like, drop. See you later. So, okay. So even regardless of the fact that like, obviously I believe that Luzardo is the, is the leading contender for that position. Um, you know, even that aside, like Mike fires is 35. Chris Bassett, is himself impressed with how well he performed last season. <laughs> um, there are, there are Frankie Montas got busted last year for PEDs. There are avenues in which there are openings that can happen in this. Rotation. Yeah, I, mean, it, I think that I, I think Montas I think, is, I think, sorry, I, think Montas, I think Montas is safe. I mean, I get, I get yeah. what you're saying. I would be, if he gets suspended again, good Lord. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's another, you know, thing that they have to work, that they uh, had to deal with. So I'm just, you know what I mean? They're just, their avenues is all I'm getting at. The reason sure. why I'm not saying that I'm sold on Luzardo, the thing that would sell me is the fact that he's a lefty, but unfortunately so is Puck. And it's like, they're both awesome. They both came up and did awesome things last year. Um, even more impressively, I believe, was AJ Puck, who came back from Tommy John surgery, whereas like Luzardo just kind of had like setback after setback after setback after setback. And yes, like we finally got a glimpse and it was amazing. But, you know, in terms of durability and like, you know, like just sure like human will, I'm more impressed with AJ Puck. Um, you know, they both 
struck out batters over 10 uh, with over 10 K per nine. Um, they both like, you know, had pretty solid, strong debuts. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy, but um, you know, <laughs> I have two other names listed. One of them is a Daniel Norris name, which is Daniel Mangden. I just fear that they'll always go back to the Mangden rather than like take a chance on the AJ Pucks <laughs> or the or the other guy that I have listed here, uh, James Capriellen. Um, I just I fear the Mangden. You know. Usually, yeah. Well, the <laughs> <laughs> the Mangden that you really should fear is is Paul Blackburn. Um, but. Oh. Oh, there's another one too. Yeah, there's another, there's another Megden. So, um, double I, the Megden. I mean, neither of these guys. I mean, maybe they do. You know, I, I'd have to look at their schedule to begin. Maybe they only need four starters to start the year. You know, you can kind of like skip a start and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I sort of expect to see Lazardo if he's if he looks. If he doesn't look great in spring training, and that kind of gives them a reason to keep him down, I think Puck is a little bit older than Lozardo. Maybe Puck does get the uh, the ultimate call there. I mean, the real move here is to just put Bassett or Fires in the bullpen. Uh, and I know Fires just continues to churn out quality starts. So fine, Bassett in the bullpen where he can continue to wonder how he's pitching well and and put both <laughs> Puck and Lozardo in the rotation. But if we're talking about the Oakland Athletics, that's probably not what's going to happen. He's going to get Mengdind or Wendelkind or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, you know, like AJ Puck and Lozardo obviously have the best. Lozardo has the best chance. Puck has, in my opinion, he has an under – underdogs chance a little bit of a better underdogs chance than people might give him credit for um and then Kuiper Allen unfortunately I don't think we'll see but I gotta bring him up though dude because like this is a guy that was highly touted prospect with the Yankees gets sent over to Oakland in a deal gets hurt immediately and then last season did you know that he traversed every single level of minor league ball he started off in high a and then he moved to double a and he even had one appearance at triple a at the end of the year like they are putting this kid on the fast track. Well, the only, the only reason I'm not that impressed with that is, is just because, I mean, he's a guy, he, he was a Tommy John surgery guy, wasn't he? Yes, of course. But that's why I'm impressed by it. Right. But I mean, 20, 25 years old, he was, he, he looked like a grandfather to some of the people in high a, I mean, they, <laughs> they must've been asking him what the civil war was like. Um, some of his teammates. So like, yeah. I, I okay. don't think he's going to be kept there. I mean, it's, it is nice that, you know, he's made his, he made his, he's made his way back. He's kind of recouped some of his prospect value and, and got all the way to triple a. Um, but God, if he, if, if he didn't escape high a quickly, then I mean, good Lord, the players there still play like Chuck E. Cheese and stuff, man. Capriani, he, he, he needs to, if he's 20, he's 25, man, he's, he's, he's gotta, he's gotta get close to the majors, but to your point, maybe, maybe he's actually kind of the underdog here. Um, I'd have to see, I'd have to see his innings last year for him to really have a chance. So I, I, don't I have them up right now at high a, he, you know, not as great of a performance, uh, four, four, six ERA struck out batters, uh, 10.65 K per nine, K per nine, and only, uh, less than two walks per nine. Um, so, you know, not great peripherals, but, um, some pretty decent, um, uh, underlying stats, uh, moves to double a pitches, 27 innings, um, K per nine of 8.5, uh, ERA of 1.63. Um, you know, his FIP and his ex FIP were higher 
3.6 FIP, 4.13 uh, XFIP, but still a little bit of a better progress. And then only one start in um, AAA where he only went four innings. He had, um, I want to say, six strikeouts in that. Yeah, six strikeouts in that game. Um, only let up one earned run. Um, so not not a terrible start to the AAA career. Obviously, he was coming back from Tommy John, so I don't even think he started the year um, on time last season. This was just kind of like an immediate – the only reason why I'm as impressed by Kypriel and the only reason why I'm still talking about him, I feel like we shouldn't even be killing this much time on him. But, like, the fact that they put him on this fast of a track after a Tommy John surgery leads me to believe that they are also believing that they're being menged in or – or basseted or blackburned. Like they want to get this guy up here. They want to see a road. Can you like think of a rotation like this? Manaya. Black, blackburned. <laughs> They're tired of being blackburned or mangled. <laughs> they want their rotation of Luzardo, Puck, Kuiper, Ellen, Manaya, and then whoever else. Old man fires. I don't care if you want to throw him in there too. That would be stacked. Yeah. And you know what actually kind of sticks out to me on, on Capriel is that he is on the 40 man. Um, I mean, boom, I, I, boom. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and I, I should apologize to uh, Paul Blackburn for a second here because while yes, in 2018, he did have an ERA of 7.16 and in 2019 in his very limited major league experience, he had an ERA of 10.64. <laughs> so maybe, I don't, maybe I don't need to apologize but for some reason. I thought he was a, I thought he was a former uh, Colorado guy that was that was older, but he's not. Anyway, we don't need to spend any more time on Paul Blackburn. He's kind of similar to Darwinson Hernandez. I'm just kidding. <laughs> far superior to Paul Blackburn. Um, my next team uh, that I that I wanted to dive into here uh, was the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it's pretty simple because I, I see we're kind of up against the time here. It, it's actually very simple. Just stop. Pitching Mike Leak. Just stop. Just stop pitching Mike Leak. Mike Leak is terrible. Like, I, he used to be a fun guy to own, like six years ago in fantasy when he would like just churn out quality starts and he was like actually surprisingly pretty decent. And, but he, he does everything poorly. Um, he gets hit super hard. He doesn't strike anybody out. What I will give him credit for is he doesn't walk a whole lot of people. Um, but I'd love to see. Um, like John Duplantier uh, get another chance in the rotation um, or what uh, last year, um, the name Merrill Kelly, um, because roster resource, uh, here it is. Roster resource has Mike Leak uh, in the rotation. They have him as the second starter, which is just hilarious. That's obviously not going to be the case, but they have, you know, Merrill Kelly going to the bullpen who yeah, wasn't great last year. This wasn't terrible. Um, I, I remember distinctly him pitching, I thought, pretty well against the Red Sox. And maybe actually I'm misremembering that. So obviously not distinctly, but whatever. Bottom line, you got these four great starters, Bumgarner, Ray, Gallon, and Weaver. Why are you going to waste that last spot on Mike Leak when you could just get some guy with some upside up there? And actually, you know what? I do get it. Maybe it's, all right, Robbie Ray doesn't pitch a lot of innings. Weaver's coming off injury. Gallon's a young guy, so we need someone to eat the innings and save the bullpen. And you know what? That, that has to be what it is. But – if I remember correctly, Merrill Kelly was going pretty deep into outings last year. He's not a high inning or a high um, uh, pitch count guy. Um, so I don't know. I feel like Merrill Kelly could do Mike Leak what Mike Leak brings, which is eating those innings and do it better. Yeah, um, for sure. I think that Mike Leak is kind of like the Mike Fires of Arizona right now. 
Well, I think fire, I mean, I, get, I totally get what you're saying. He's in the way and, and he's just the old veteran there that somehow turns out decent stuff. But I would so much rather have Mike Fires than Mike. I genuinely just think that Mike Leake is bad. Um, he's, he's just not yeah. a good pitcher and they, they need to get out from underneath that and, and get something with a little bit of upside. I mean, Merrill Kelly's upside is limited, right? 31 years old. He's, he's only new because he's another player uh, coming overseas. But I'd just rather see that. Or again, John Duplantier um, or something like that before I, I go ahead and, and fork over a rotation spot to Mike Leake just so he can eat innings with his, you know, 95 ERA. Yeah, I mean, I think that also a big factor in the Mike Leake situation is the fact that when they got Corbin Martin, he um, very quickly needed uh, Tommy John surgery. He Tom Corbin Martin, believe it or not, unfortunately, like he, he didn't really impress too much in his MLB de- uh, debut last year, but he's their top pitcher prospect um, on their um, – fan graphs list of top prospects and it's like by a considerable margin he's the only one that's listed within the top 100 um he's their fifth overall uh prospect which are behind some really heavy hitters arizona has a lot of heavy hitting prospects but they don't have many uh pitching prospects unfortunately and um after the tommy john surgery to your best one um yeah i i don't blame them for just kind of like holding on to mike leak and just being like well at least we know what we're gonna get Interesting. I, I'm, I kind of like John Duplantier, to be honest. Um, He's there, you know, I, I, you know, and these are all the prospect rankings. You have to take them with a grain of salt. We don't know how these guys are going to come out. He's their ninth ranked prospect. He was their top pitching prospect before Corbin Martin entered the picture. Um, and, you know, he did have some good signs over in his MLB debut, probably arguably more better signs than Corbin Martin had. So who knows how it'll shake up. And Duplantier is, is healthy. So, you know, I think that he will have a crack at it this year. Um, just, you know, like you said, with the fact that Weaver was injured, um, uh, who else they got over there? Um, you know, Gallon, it looks really, really great, but you, you just don't know how sophomore slumps are going to factor into the equation. And if they do trade Robbie Ray eventually at some point during the season, um, you know, I don't know if they do or not, especially with the acquisition of Madison Bumgarner. But I know that Ray is a guy that has had trade talks around him for the past like two or three years. So it's just I think it's always a possibility. That would annoy me so much. One step forward, one step backwards. I just. I, yeah. I, I, but, I you know, is Arizona a team that would surprise you if they did that? No, unfortunately. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see how the market uh, shakes out now that pretty much all the starting pitching is has been signed. Um, maybe now teams start to turn to guys like Robbie Ray and, oh, God, please, David Price. Um, I'd, just, I'd just be so annoyed if they traded him. But that's not a hand there. I get your point. You know, there's there's some risk there with with Weaver's injury last year. That was – I think it was actually forearm a little bit scary. Um, so maybe that that opportunity arises for Duplantier. But the slider's sneaky good. The fastball's okay. Um, I, I'd just like to see him get a chance. Again, over Mike Leake, the, the least exciting – him and Brad Anderson, maybe the two least exciting players in all of fantasy – you know, give me give me some Duplantier instead. Give me some Merrill Kelly instead. Yeah, I, I would much rather see those guys. So who do you get next? And unfortunately, my last one is very quick. Yeah, me too, actually. Um, mine is my hometown team, the Dodgers. Um, so here's what I'm going to say overall about the Dodgers. I've got five names listed here, and I do believe that all five of them will have moments where they are in the starting rotation which is annoying and it's really just it is what it is but like i was talking to you about kershaw and bueller 
are the only two starters that I can absolutely say will be in the starting rotation all season. I think we all, we all expect, we all expect my A to be, to be there for the full season. I think right now, but you just don't, you never know what, what Roberts is thinking. Sometimes he likes my out of the bullpen. Um, some, I actually, I didn't even include stripling. So I actually have six names to talk about. Um, excluding Maeda. I'm excluding Maeda from this list. So I could even be talking about seven, but for right now, I'm going to say all six of these guys are going to get cracks at the rotation at different points of the year. And it's going to be annoying because I really do believe that only one of them is going to have the volume to make themselves a fantasy relevant number three starter, which is disappointing. It really is. That's definitely the problem. Um, I think if anything, if there's one thing we can say, it's it's time to unleash Julio Urias. Um, it, it just is, right? I mean, granted, he's still only 23 years old, but like it, it, it's time to put him into the rotation and see what you have. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. He's two years younger than Walker Bueller, but I feel like we've been hearing about Urias forever. Um, but look at those look at those um, stack cast sliders. Those things are beautiful. Beat red. Um, the, I think the Alex Wood signing was the death of Ross Stripling for 2020 and the death of Tony Gonsolin for 2020. I think what it, who it really stinks for is Dustin May, who I think that would have got that spot. But if they're signing Wood, it, it must be because they're not fully believing in Dustin May. And I do not think that Jimmy Nelson is going to get a single game start this year. Um, so, a lot of names out there, definitely, and, and Gonzalez and May certainly deserve their chances. Um, but right now, I have to think it's what Roster Resource has predicted. Kershaw, Bueller, Maeda, Wood, Urias, with Nelson in the bullpen, and Gonzalez and May potentially starting the year at AAA. Yeah, so we've, you know, just by proxy now, we've named everybody that's on the list. So I think that Stripling's out, like you said. I think Gonzalez's out, like you said. Um, Urias, I think is the person that is my leading contender for who could possibly be your like third starter in a 16 team league. Like that's a really, really good starter, by the way. Um, he's my favorite for it. Alex Wood is my underdog's chance, um, of like who, like Alex Wood's 2017, we have to remember was like top 15 starting pitcher worthy. And he's going back to the place that he did that. I just think that it's something for you to keep your eyes on at the very, very least. And then my very like hopeful in like my wildest dreams fantasy is Jimmy Nelson being that like <laughs> fantasy, like game changing third starter in your rotation out of nowhere that you just probably picked up off of waivers or spent a, like a last round draft pick on. I really, and this is just me, you know, like praying to God. I love Jimmy Nelson. He was like one of those pitchers that I was all over last season. And then just to see like that, he never got back to form after his injury was just heartbreaking to me. I really think that he's somebody that can be an absolute game changer and moving into Dodger stadium, that pitchers park away from Miller park, the brewers park, just like the misery of like the hitters hole that it is. I think it only like helps his potential value skyrocket. You know, like I really do think that the ceiling is just like as high as any of these other guys with Jimmy Nelson. It's just that the floor is like, you know, why are you even rostering this waste of space? And that's, that's ultimately the problem. I mean, I, I think, I think first of all, Jimmy Nelson should be the one starting the season in triple a. Um, I mean, we'll oh, see, definitely. but he should hopefully, 
if your hope is for him to one day be in the rotation this year, which I think with all those names, I would almost argue he doesn't have a chance, then he needs to get into the minors and he needs to get the velocity back on the fastball, which kind of disappeared. Um, all Everything he threw last year was actually kind of a disaster. I mean, the slider was okay. I, I, he was not good. And we can give him a pass because he missed so much time, obviously with a serious injury, but already 30 years old. I don't, I don't know if the Dodgers as an organization even view him as somebody who would take a role in the rotation. There's so many things I think that would need to happen for Jimmy Nelson to get even a chance in the rotation. 1,010%. He is the person that will need to do the most. He will need to work harder than anybody else on this list um, in order to get that chance. I just yeah. I think that there's a stone's throw. Sure. And, uh, and I mean, I'm interested. He, this time last year, there was a lot of hype on Jimmy Nelson, and uh, as, as you obviously know. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not completely it's not completely far-fetched. Just of all teams for him to have gone to for any chance at starting, he went to the Dodgers. Maybe they were the only team that was knocking. And then that the Alex Wood signing, it's just so interesting to me. It's like – He's definitely going to be in the rotation because why else would he have signed there? And what is it that the Dodgers – like, were they gearing up? Were they ready to pounce on, like, Francisco Lindor or Mookie Betts? Like, I, I just don't understand that one at all. It's not like they were, like, craving a lefty. They have so many names available. Do they just not believe in Dustin May? Do they not believe in Tony Gonsolin? Like, that was a really weird one because I, I think if you just gave Ross Stripling the starting job, I think he could give you close to what Alex Wood is going to give you. So – I, there were so many options, and they still went and got Alex Wood. I don't know. That I just found that really, really weird. Maybe they haven't made the move yet. Maybe they were gearing up to now have that depth that they, they wanted to maintain after a trade, and they're going to go and get somebody because, man, is pitching expendable for the Dodgers. They are rich. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced that Alex Wood doesn't start the year off in AAA, by the way. Wow. Really? I'm I'm not like I mean I know that roster resource immediately slotted him in there I I don't you know I've been trying to keep up with the Dodgers B writers I haven't had anything saying yes Alex Wood is going to be our fourth starter or our fifth starter in the rotation next year I he's coming off an equally injury riddled season where he needs to prove that he can get back to form what's really the difference between him and Jimmy Nelson I wouldn't be surprised if they start both of them off in AAA and just have them throw about fifty innings and just try to see which one's better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, well, the I guess maybe it's just they don't need they don't need either of them. That's the that's the like the mystery part for me. You know what I mean? They don't need either of them. So it's just kind of like why people are automatically assuming that it's Wood when you know he's coming off just as equally of a frustrating season in terms of injuries where he didn't show anything. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just basing it on roster resource a little bit. And I, to me, like they must really like him. They must have seen something that they like. They think they can fix to go out and get him already with all this depth. Um, well, I guess that, they, that's where the it comes from. Would. They like the fact that he was the only one that was um, throwing pitches that the catcher was not calling signals for in that world series. Did you see that? I, I, I did see that. I did. Yeah. The cheaters. Yes. Well, well, no, I'm just, hey, I mean, Alex Wood figured out how to beat them. Just don't throw pitches that the catcher's calling. That's that's fair. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. 
with Wood, though, I mean, a spot might inevitably pop up anyway because not only is he a guy who deals with injuries, but their back injuries, just like their ace Clayton Kershaw, and that could shelf him at any moment and open up the door for Dustin May or Tony Gonzalez. Um, but I, w- I was gearing up to get some shares of Dustin May. I was ready to go. I really like Dustin May, and now I'm questioning if he's even going to start the year at the major leagues, which I just find a little weird. Yeah, definitely a disappointing um, update for him. Um, yeah, just but I would say stay tuned because you just don't know what this team is up to. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. My last one, final one. Um, it's it's kind of similar to to yours with Brad Peacock, a guy I talked about in our last podcast. This is another guy I talked about in our last podcast, and that's going to be Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves. Um, obviously, a lot would be riding on him being in the rotation. I mean, a lot of his spring training success will ride on whether or not he's going to. I still don't even know if that makes sense. I'm I'm, I'm losing it here. Basically, <laughs> I think right. Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright needs to have a very good spring training if he wants to have any chance at starting the year in the rotation. Roster Resource currently has um, Sean Newcomb slated to be in there, which I kind of find funny. I just sort of view that as just a giant hole um, because Newcomb's value is not as a starting pitcher. He's pretty solid in the bullpen. I know they now signed Will Smith as as their lefty in the pen, which maybe they felt like – Newcomb could go into the rotation, but it's not like the rotation is desperate for the lefty either. They've got Freed and Hamels there already. Um, I think it's it's Wright's time. Um, to give him a chance. Let's see the spring, how he's worked on that command and control. And if he's improved it, um, he's, he's going to be awesome, I think. I, I'll go ahead and say that. You know, Toussaint was kind of a disaster last year. Bryce Wilson is a couple years younger than Kyle Wright. I don't think quite as ready. Um, I think he's the easy answer. You know, Ian Anderson is not even 22 years old yet. He is already at triple A. He's, he's flying up there. I don't know if he'd be, I don't think he, they'd be ready to call him up to the majors until he's completely ready. I think Kyle Wright's the answer. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see that. I think he's the type of guy who maybe out of all my discussions so far is the one with real fantasy potential. Um, somebody who, I mean, look at, look at Max Reed and Mike Soroka last year. They were phenomenal. They, they won people leagues. Um, now look, they've, they're leaps and bounds better at this point than Kyle Wright, but in terms of raw ability, Wright is right there with them. Um, and I, I just like to see him get a chance. I don't think what, whatever happens, I don't think Sean Newcomb is going to be the fifth starter for the Braves. So we'll, we'll just have to see how things shake out in spring chaining and, and really in between now and then to see if they make any moves. Yeah, I, I like, Wright. Um, I like Newcomb more as a reliever. Like you said, the other, the the name that I'm kind of rooting for, to be honest with you, aside from Kyle Wright, is Tuki Toussaint. I really just want to see um, what he can do with an extended opportunity. I know he kind of got one. He had a high K per nine. That was one thing that he had going for him, in my opinion. Um, but he is definitely far – it seems far and removed from the 2018 season in AAA where he posted a 1.43 ERA that was backed up by a 2.18 uh, FIP and a 3.16 XFIP over 10 K per nine. Um, and then even better numbers down in double A that same season. He was he seemed like the guy, you know. Um, so I I'm curious to see if he can get back to that kind of like top arm and waiting in the wings kind of guy. Yeah, I mean I guess, you know, he could maybe be a diamond in the rough, but I mean I I ridicule Kyle Wright for his command and control. I mean, Tuki Kustan is he has no idea where the ball is going. Um, and you know, at least with, with right, it Im- improves, I guess, a little bit in the minor leagues. 
Um, you know, like yeah, granted, he had a six walks per nine, for example, through 19 innings with the Braves. But in AAA last year, that went all the way down to 2.8, which you know isn't great, but it's not going to kill him. Um, I I like Wright more than Toussaint, but I see where you're coming from. He was the guy, right? Those creepishly long fingers, um, you know, some great pitches, a great fastball, certainly an awesome curveball. Um, but <laughs> I mean, those numbers, oh, that the control and command are absolutely mortifying. Yeah, never even came close to 2.8 uh, walks per nine in the minors even, so. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, if Toussaint is excellent in the spread, I guess point being is this really is wide open. Um, I don't I don't think the Braves are committed at all to Sean Newcomb. I think if you ask the Braves front office, you know, what's your rotation right now? I think they'd rattle off those first four names, which are very good, and then tell you that it's open. We'll see what happens with this. I don't think they'd be like roster resource and fully commit to – to Sean Newcomb, but you know, that's what roster resource has to do. Um, but they do have a great bullpen. So I think giving the opportunity to someone like Wright could be helpful for him and, and, and helpful for them to like, all right, you know what, we're going to give Wright the first time through the order and then turn it over to our great bullpen. Um, that could actually be pretty, a pretty solid strategy once every five days. I don't know how sustainable it is for a, a whole season. It's probably not, but um, you know, I think the bullpen helps, helps make that decision uh, a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. They might pull like sort of a situation like Tampa Bay has with Yarborough where he goes about four or five innings for sure every game. And then they turn it over to a secondary arm to go a few more innings. Maybe Newcomb becomes that guy. Yeah. Yeah. They could embrace that strategy or they could just trade for someone. Uh, they're, they're in every trade rumor. Um, they already went and they signed Hamels. So they're, they're clearly not opposed to making moves. Um, we'll see. We'll have to see. Just thank God Julio Tehran is out of town. <laughs> yeah, let's get an opportunity to somebody else. Yes, he he got his opportunities, and he'll get another one now. Yeah, where did he end up? He's in the uh, AL Central now, isn't he? What are you, a Ranger? Yeah, the let AL, me ask you. No, he's uh he's on the Angels. Let me ask you out of the two new Angel pitchers, uh, Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran. You got any interest in either of them, or oh, not them uh, or uh, them? Uh, I have zero. I will never have any interest in Julio. So he could throw six straight no hitters, and I'll pass. Bundy, yes, I guess. Very limited interest uh, in Dylan Bundy. I mean, yeah, that's a little bit better. Yeah, Bundy exactly. slider, one of the best best sliders in baseball last year. I think that he could be a, a great late round flyer. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I uh, well, you know, I could see myself throwing a pick at him with my last pick if I felt like I could take a risk with starting pitching and wanted one more arm. So it's kind of a unique circumstances, but I will not actively yeah. be looking for him. I could just see him having a, a little bit of a surprise year. Yeah. Bundy's a, a, a name that is rising up the draft boards, by the way. So that's surprising. Still only 27. Yeah. yeah. Industry kind of likes him right now, but anyways, all right, man. Well, that wraps up this edition of Pitch Count, everybody. Uh, please give us a follow. Uh, and this is Pitch Count signing off. Later, guys.